0: You're listening to the AWC City Voice podcast. I'm Sarah, and today we're hearing about infrastructure. We have guest speakers joining us from Othello, Cheney, and Pasco to share some of the innovations and challenges of their local projects and to answer some questions about infrastructure in their communities and across the state. Let's get into it. Brianna Morin, AWC recently released our State of the Cities, Washington's Interconnected Infrastructure Report, where we examine statewide infrastructure systems. If you haven't seen it yet, check out the report at wascities.org at the bottom of the front page. To highlight some of the projects included in the report, we sat down with AWC's Brandy DeLange, along with a fellow Mayor Sean Logan, Pasco's Public Works Director Steve Worley, and Cheney's Public Works Director Todd Abelman. So let's first talk about Pasco's Process Water Reuse Facility, which has served the area since the mid-90s.
1: That is correct. It was a project that was in partnership with the Port of Pasco, and the idea was to develop an industrial park, of a food processing industrial park and the city decided to purchase some land and some farm circles and get pump stations and pipes to take the wastewater from any new processors that come into the industrial park and pump their water out to the what we call the PWRF or the process water reuse facility and we would uh, pre-treat their water and then use it for irrigation on the crops that we grow to help remove nitrogen from the water. And it turned out that that project was very successful. We have six processors now, uh, a couple of very national processor food processors uh, in the industrial park, and they want to grow. <clears throat> we also, because of our facility, now have a new processor coming into town called Dairy Gold and they are a very large processor. And so we are looking to upgrade our facility to accommodate uh, increased flows, but also to replace the system that has been in operation for over 25 years. And this provides us the opportunity to look at possible ways of making the project even more uh, environmentally friendly Than just reusing the wastewater for irrigation. Processors that we support have a very, very large area of impact where they grow their crops and then haul those crops to the processing plants that are located here in Pasco. And so it's really fun during the fall harvest to go by the processing plants and see all the trucks just. Filled to the brim with carrots and corn and potatoes and onions and all this kind of stuff. It's just fantastic. So they, they you know, all their wash water and stuff like that comes to us, and then we treat it and uh, dispose of it for them. And we're embarking on a project which I call a PPP project. It's a private public processor partnership, <laughs> and. <clears throat> we are basically going to develop a system using anaerobic digesters where we're going to take the methane off of the anaerobic digesters and turn it into renewable natural gas and then uh, sell that gas out onto the voluntary market that's the first thing the second thing is that we are using an innovative uh, technology for removing nitrogen from the wastewater and we're doing it using uh, algae biofilm. So it's basically growing algae on rotating belts that remove the nitrogen from the wastewater to help grow the algae, but then also removes carbon from the atmosphere to help grow the algae as well. We're able to harvest that algae off of the belts often and then we can dewater it and turn it into high nitrogen fertilizer, organic fertilizer. Um, There is also a potential in the future to use it as a feedstock for biofuels program out at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. So we're very excited about pursuing that. And then of course the third thing is to still continue to use the wastewater as irrigation on about 2,200 acres of crops that we currently have access to
0: PPPP. lots of p's todd also has lots of p's in his <laughs> project it is the genie's um purple pipe to parks and playgrounds project <laughs> so props to you for that can you talk to us about that
2: yeah certainly there is a lot of p's in that and i think we just call our teeny purple pipe project but the the full title uh that we started with is more definitive as putting purple pipes into parks and playgrounds uh, and play fields on play, play fields uh, for the benefit of reducing uh, domestic water supply. So uh, history of Cheney, um, obviously we pull from our domestic source from what we call basalt aquifers. And sometimes they're not the most reliant source of domestic uh, water. Um, so we've always had to struggle uh, in summertime when either our wells go down or uh, we, we start drawing the water down in our region to, to where we have to uh, reduce the pumping capacity of our well so we don't drain this, this area. So for many years, we have struggled with uh, what do we do during the irrigation. That, that's when we see that, that, that real mm-hmm. depression of uh, water concern. Our highest irrigation users are typically all of our parks and our, and our play fields with our school districts. So in order to um, you know kind of alleviate that, uh, our wastewater treatment plant, which was built back in 1994, uh, we went from uh, a lagoon system to a wastewater treatment plant. In that design, uh, the whole vision of the plant was to change it to a, a complete reclamation project. So uh, right out of the gate, when we opened, we started doing biosolid composting, taking all of our biosolids and turning it into compost. Uh, had never had a problem with uh, having extra inventory of that. That's a very popular product. Uh, We get rid of that annually. In fact, sometimes we get rid of it and it's mostly in demand. So in 2007, uh, we did a study, uh, all of our effluent when we open up the plant uh, basically goes into what we call a hundred acre constructed wetland. And during that time from 94 on up to 2007, Uh, we let the uh, wetlands kind of uh, develop by themselves. And then we brought back some uh, engineering uh, and some consultants on board to ask the question, can we actually pull water from our wastewater treatment plant for reuse and still sustain the wetlands? And the answer was yes. Back then in 2007, our report said, yes, we could actually uh, uh, take our effluent uh, during the summer and pump up to a million gallons a day. That was a large amount that would, would say, yeah, we can actually start um, uh, transitioning a million gallons a day of domestic use, which is just going towards irrigation to our largest parks and, and our play fields uh, into a reuse. So uh, we had kind of a struggle uh, from that 2007 up until the engineering report, because there was a lot of things at that time going on with you know what was in you know what was in wastewater treatment what what could be reduced what was the parameters to even you know identify what is irrigation use um, So really up until about 2015-16 uh, we made a, an application with the Department of ecology to do uh, basically an engineering study uh, got monies for that for the study uh, to demonstrate that we could actually uh, provide a source, uh, to those to those areas and provide reuse. Uh, once that was approved by the Department of Ecology, uh, we received another loan uh, from the Department of Ecology to do the full uh, blown out design of the purple pipe, understanding that this was a very expensive project it was it was well over 23 million when we first had some estimates going on but um council so choose to to go ahead and and uh, start the design because we felt that having a shovel ready project was probably the best way we could uh, uh at least position ourselves to ask for money as we went along so uh, the The project was was designed and approved uh, back in uh, later 2019, early 2020 by the Department of Ecology. Uh, so now we have a project that can be constructed. Uh, since then, uh, we have been, uh, you know, uh, going and, and trying to apply for every grant uh, to build this project. So the really the reuse project, uh, what it is, is it's taken our wastewater treatment plant. And uh, we are gonna update our, our, our treatment facility to uh, UV water system and filtration to meet um, meet the irrigation standard, reuse irrigation standards, uh, put all of that reuse into uh, a basically a, a, a large existing uh, re basin is what we have, and then utilize that into a pump station and pump a pipe all the way up into our city into our major um, uh, parks and also our uh, high school and middle school play fields so that was the whole idea behind the purple pipe project like I say it's been uh, the, the 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 original concept was back in 1994 the the question uh, whether we could actually do that was in 2007 and from about 2016 on uh, we have been working very very hard with trying to um, you know make this a, uh, a viable project. We, we think we're, we're there. We're pretty close uh, since uh, we received about $18.5 million of the project in grants uh, just by, uh, you know, approaching legislative and also going through the federal process and getting money, um, uh, you know, with, with the pandemic and, and all of the bills out there uh, we were able to say that this is a shovel-ready project. So, um, 18.5 million of right around that. We're, we're probably estimating we're short maybe another five million. We don't know. Construction is uh, very high during this time, but um, you know we're there. We do have a, a loan secured to to go ahead and do this project, but we are going to still uh, push really hard to see if we can, um, you know, lift the lift the sofa cushions and look under everywhere to see if there's any extra money to. know, make this project a success.
0: So shifting to Mayor Logan, so you're in an area that also struggles with water supply, um, Mm -hmm. and you've been working to address that for a while too now. Can you talk to us about that?
3: Back in 2012, the City of Othello, uh, we were subject of a groundwater management area study, which was infamously called the Guama uh, study, and it showed that our discharge rate of water pumped out of the Um, at Wanapum Aquifer was greater than what the recharge rate was. So our static water levels had been falling for years. And it was getting to the point that uh, we were going to need to do something to uh, sustain Othello and sustain the people and the industry that we had here. So the Department of Health had approached the city and asked for a meeting with not only uh, city officials, but also Uh, members of all the class, there was 12 class A water systems, private water systems that were outside the city. And in that meeting, they uh, began to lay out that what they ultimately wanted was for uh, the city of Othello to extend services out to these class A water systems. Because I think, first of all, um, they're not, you know, usually a member of a water system isn't is, isn't sophisticated like a city that has um you know its own public work staff and people who are able to uh you know people with water uh experience and certification. So I think what they want they saw was is eventually those uh water systems were going to uh run into some problems that they either they couldn't finance with the changing regulation or couldn't uh Or they were going, the static water levels were going to drop so much that the cost to Mm -hmm. continue to drill deeper was going to be greater than what they could handle. So they asked the city to get involved. And so we started looking at what our supply was. And we uh, did some long range planning effort in 2014 and hired consultants. And so what we developed in 2016 was a long range. Uh, water supply plan and in that plan um, we were looking at trying to establish a water level or a water sustainability for the next 50 to 75 years because we knew we couldn't continue to just pump water from the Wanapum Aquifer so we were going to have to look at different water sources and this is where uh, we were also going to have to uh, increase our um, you know, our water storage, uh, the city had grown significantly over the last 10 years. And so we had sought out grant money and, um, uh, from the state legislature, which we received, we, we built a new water tower, uh, three and a half million gallon, and we drilled two new wells. But one of the things that happened before that, that really, uh, brought this, you know, to, you know, to light was during the summer when we had that drought where there was like, uh, was like 28 straight days of 100 degree temperatures, the city had two of its pumps uh, go down. And so we were limping along to the point we had to uh, do water rationing because uh, we don't have irrigation water for our uh, residential use. So that created a lot of problems. That we knew we had to do some planning, and we knew we had to work on some solutions that were going to um, that were going to be able to create the sustainable supply. So, um, what we concluded in this supply plan is, is that we had to diversify our water supply. Uh, we needed this uh, additional storage and that it would be a huge undertaking, and we needed we needed help. And so we turned to uh, the state and the legislature, we turned to the State Department of Health, the State Department of Ecology, and we found that they had uh, problem solvers that were more than able to uh, work with us, and that's what they did. And um, so, Eventually we selected a, an option which is called ASR. And ASR is a aquifer storage and recharge. We take water in, the, in our case from a canal. We have the water is treated, it's put directly back into reuse and any excess is then injected into the aquifer which increases the aquifer levels and then is later pumped out for industry and for residential use as needed. So that benefits everybody, uh, both the city, uh, rural homes, it takes pressure off us of having to uh, continue to pump at the rates that we're pumping. And um, we've moved forward with several uh, uh, pilot tests. We are now working with the Department of Ecology, uh, Office of Columbia River, and with um, the State Department of Health on these projects. and. Uh, they're encouraging. We've been working with the governor's office. Anything that will help uh, with the declining off in the Columbia Basin, they're very interested in helping see that we come up with some solutions to uh, these problems.
0: Cities have faced pretty significant barriers to funding and completing infrastructure projects. Uh, could you tell us about what challenges you're currently confronting and the strategies you're using to address them?
2: I think where we're at is our aging infrastructure, in particular um, the, the water mains? Uh, it's just because of the of the costs associated with uh, uh aging water mains and the replacement and really the funding source out there um you know to, to start replacing these mains. And this is a long, a very long uh time period. If uh, and I'll give you an example, when you put water mains in the ground, typically you don't know. Uh, when they need to be replaced. We don't have uh, anything in our crystal ball to say when these mains are gonna be blown out. We don't have anything except for when they start deteriorating, when we start having problems with them. So in Cheney's case, uh, as old as Cheney, we have uh, iron, uh, steel pipes, iron pipes, PVC and all that. So to try to develop a program to replace this, uh, the needed and, and we still struggle. We get a little bit of grant money from here and there to replace that water main, but I would have to say the giant struggle for me is kind of in my water infrastructure, um, you know, to that end. Our, our sewer mains, uh, we do have alternative funding and not really replacing. We do have areas where we could get in, use robotics to seal our water mains. We do have sleeving opportunities uh, for for that type of infrastructure. Transportation, and um, in, in I, I think where I struggle with is that most of our transportation projects are are now focused towards preservation. Any type of new development, uh, new developers going in, they they do put their own infrastructure in if they're part of a housing development. Um, but maintaining what we have existing, uh, I think is important. And, and what we struggle with is the preservation dollars uh, to that end and the need. And then also the costs associated with an overlay. I mean, we are now taking look at you know, we used to be able to grind and overlay a lot of our projects and go, you know, a long ways. Um, but now that same amount of money doesn't travel as much um, to that end. So finding uh, those, uh, those funding opportunities in preservation and then also just the different styles of the preservation project, uh, whether it be federal or state grants, a lot of the conditions that apply to that sometimes make it uh, uh more challenging uh, than any other. Being a smaller city, I pretty much um uh am the grant writer for all of the all of the projects and I get help from our engineering firm, you know, from time to time and and then I have a, a really good staff that sometimes I'll I'll let them uh you know go forward with the grant, but most of the time it's uh um, I'm writing the grants. We, we we take a project from what we call cradle to grave, and and like you say, you know, being a, a, a the public works director, you, you get an opportunity to see that, not only uh, you know writing the grant, getting the money, and then and then uh, carrying that project all the way through. So you, you kind of see, uh, you know, what what conditions are, are, have to be met on the federal end or the state end, um, trying to manage those projects and and. Op- Obviously, the audits that, that go along uh, on the end, at the end, and I, I I really, my heart goes out to smaller cities. Um, you know, that is a, a huge barrier. You know, it's easy to write a grant and get money, uh, but be careful what you ask for, because sometimes they, they have a lot of strings attached and, and you just don't have the staff to manage those grants.
0: Um, Steve, how about you? Could you tell us about some of this, the challenges you guys are working with?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of it is very similar to what Todd was just describing um, the infrastructure in probably most of the cities, you know, is pretty aged. Uh, there is no time frame for them. They break when they break. And uh, so they have to be replaced. Um, and as cities grow, your system has to grow with it. And so um, we are in the process right now of funding uh, an increase in one of our water treatment plants, a revamp of another water treatment plan, and the expansion of our wastewater treatment plan. And that's not including the PWRF we talked about earlier. So uh, there have been a lot of effort put forth in trying to get state funding and federal funding for all of these projects. And I have to say they, the programs that are available through the state revolving funds, has been fantastic, Uh, fortunate for PASCO. We've been successful in the last several years of getting uh, quite a bit of that funding. And so we very much appreciate that. Uh, One of the challenges we have is when we start getting into some of the larger projects, which obviously is difficult because there usually isn't one single program that's able to cover the cost of some of these larger projects. And so you kind of have to bite it off in pieces and go after some of it and uh, build it up as you go along. And so we're getting good at that and uh, just continue to look for every opportunity. Uh, I think at the federal level with the infrastructure uh, funding that has come out, it has opened up more opportunities. Um, We haven't quite got as much of that as we would like for some of our transportation projects and or utility projects, but we keep trying. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a struggle. Um, like Todd, we put in every application we can think of for every utility and every transportation project and try very hard to get as much funding as we can.
0: Yeah, it sounds we're hearing that it's a lot of patchwork to put together these funds. Does that have an impact on the timeline of the projects?
1: It very much does. Um, I think, you know, the way that uh, Todd describes it in terms of getting uh, project ready, shovel ready project is, a, is an excellent way to uh, manage a project because you can you can do the design work fairly economically compared to the construction phase. And so you can continue looking for grants and or low interest loans uh, during the design phase. And uh, But it takes a while to build up enough money to build a project. We have a project that has been on the books for over 20 years, and it is now under construction. And it is a overpass. It's a bridge over the uh, railroad yard that is here in Pasco, and it's replacing an a concrete underpass that was built in 1937 and so um, yeah it has taken that long to get that project out the door and finally under construction.
0: So many outstanding needs there yeah um, how about from the city elected um, perspective Mayor Logan what are you guys up against?
3: Well um, I think that that what Todd and Steve were talking about is in these projects, the, um, the funding is, is something you have to stay out in front of, or otherwise your projects, um, they can languish on the line. And, um, if you have change in, in your elected officials, uh, they may not view that as a priority as to some things that they want to do. So those are some of the challenges we face in our a uh, particular instance, uh, our wastewater treatment plan is over 40 years old. Uh, we're working uh, on a new facility plan and general sewer plan so that we can qualify for funding to help us in, in building a new wastewater treatment plant. One of the things that you know we've looked at is different things like Cheney has and Todd, where maybe we can reuse some of this water how would we do that? What would that look like? Um, but all of those, those projects, these, these infrastructure projects like uh, water and sewer and, and larger transportation projects, they're complex. Um, they, they take a long time. You have to develop the project. You have to work on it. There's administration, there's consultant time. Uh, one thing that's been very helpful for the city of Othello is also attending the annual IACC conference that's held in Wenatchee every year in the fall. And that's where they put together a myriad of funding partners Department of Commerce, CURB, uh, Department of Health, Ecology, Office of Columbia River, RD, RCAC, and, and many others. And we've received guidance from them on their programs. Uh, we've, we've received some great advice, we've created relationship with their program managers, we find out what they're funding, uh, what's hot right now, and um, then we try and take some of that back and we apply for, you know, much like Steve and Todd, we're applying for everything that we can or that we're eligible. One of the things that is happening with CURB is that they're uh, looking at increasing those planning grants from 50000 to 200000 and that would help us develop some site readiness because almost all the property inside the city limits of Othello has been developed. And so with that also creates other issues that uh, are planning issues. And um, so we have lots of things to work on. It does create opportunities, but uh, like these other gentlemen, we're we're really challenged in Othello in uh, seeing this growth and then trying to meet challenges of growth
4: so thank you mayor logan um what are some of the other innovative ways that you all are attempting to overcome some of these barriers obviously we've all identified funding as is that kind of key element and and you've all kind of highlighted some creative ways in which you're you're doing some patchwork to to get your projects funded but i'm wondering if some of you can also talk through some of the engagement that you've done in your communities or the partnerships that you may have gone through um, with your local ports or your county, um, or even beyond that to, to help deliver some of these infrastructure projects. And maybe Todd, since we started with you, we'll start with you again and, and see if you can share any, um, any innovative solutions that you all have come up with.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I'll, I will just kind of focus on the funding element uh, to a lot of our projects. You know, obviously, I think it's to be engaged, uh, not only during legislative session. And if you've ever been to the legislative session, you only get about 15 minutes to pitch your project and, and, and do that. So um, it, it is very busy. It is, it is overwhelming uh, to be a legislator, to try to listen to everybody's needs and then formulate it and, and throw it out there. Uh, to be considered in in the budget process, so I think early on, uh, a, a, you know, kind of interacting, uh, you know, we we do with our council, we interact, uh, we have council approve a resolution of our of our project priorities, uh, and then we we just kind of go from there. Uh, from a local level, uh, you know, uh, we're engaged with SRTC. We have a council member that's on SRT Spokane Regional Transportation Commission uh, for that acronym. You know, and and we seek uh, federal uh, grants through that. Um, having a good relationship uh, with the transportation improvement board, and and kind of seeking and, and just kind of staying engaged uh, to that end. Um, I'll just spend a few minutes, and and really, it's it's really the makeup of how a city. You know, even without grants. Uh, Even if we had no resources whatsoever, it is really a struggle because when you talk about uh, infrastructure project, that that kind of falls in a different pool of money. I mean, we charge for services and we have that in what we call an enterprise fund and then we have a general fund. Which the general fund can actually help out in certain cases, but when we're in a small jurisdiction, you know, we if we have to rely on general fund uh, taxes to pay, we don't. Not in the city of Cheney, we don't have that that luxury because we don't have a, a, a tax base to support that. Most of that general fund goes into a lot of public safety. So, um, it, it just give you a quick scenario: if I, if I wanted to do five hundred thousand. Uh, dollars worth of, of water main work replacement over the next 20 years, and I went out. I have a funding element, maybe to go back. And if I had a population of about 10,000 accounts or so, I would have to raise their bill to $50 just to pay for, you know, that that that's not even uh, including any cost of living from there on. $50 hit is huge. Uh, but when you take it, that same five hundred thousand over a population of a hundred thousand, a five dollar increase to take that project and carry it through, that seems you know a little bit better to digest. So, so as a small city, we struggle. We rely a lot on those on those funding mechanisms to do what we need to do because without them, I mean, we would have such high utility bills and, and even pushing the border where people couldn't even afford to pay their to pay their utility bills, we are a full-service city, so we kind of see how we we have to uh, manage and replace our infrastructure. But we do rely heavily on on our uh, grants and and all of our funding. And I guess the uh, the one thing is being engaged early on before you start asking and before you start applying. And uh, and and like uh, uh, Mayor Logan said, is really to be ready. Be ready when you do that application and know that you have a real strong application. A lot of times people will just throw an application just because, because it becomes available and they're not ready for it, so they either get a, a um you know a bad rating on it or maybe they're they're um they get the money but they're really not ready for it. So yeah, that's uh yeah, I guess that uh, what I have to say.
4: That's great and uh I appreciate that you've highlighted the idea that folks should be um advocating for their issue year round, not just in the 15 minutes that they get at the legislature. Steve, what about you?
1: I think one of the other areas that um, has worked here in Pasco is our relationship with other partners like the Port of Pasco. Um, they're looking at developing properties and bringing business to Pasco. The city has to provide the services, water, sewer, water, uh, uh, Wastewater treatment that kind of stuff and one of the things that we have done in this latest Dairy Gold project was we partnered together and between the two agencies were able to go after funding and and get both water and sewer extended to the Dairy Gold site, which is north of our city Uh, and that partnership I thought was really good in that it showed uh, legislators that it's more than just one city. Uh, we did the sewer, they did the water and I love the way that we were able to partner and, and make that work. So I constantly look for other partnerships that we can go in with to uh, pursue additional funding.
4: That's great. Thank you, Steve. And then Mayor Logan, what about yourself?
1: I think you know, one of the
3: things that we did—I think all the cities and counties got—was a windfall with the 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 ARPA funds, which is really, I think, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But when we didn't use all of that for infrastructure and and things, we were looking at more of things that uh, would directly affect the and benefit the entire community. Todd explained we have, you know, we have enterprise funds and we have. Uh, for water and sewer. And, you know, it, it just, it, it becomes difficult when you are a small community and you have a high poverty rate and you don't have the investment in, you know, you don't have the investment that you get in some other places. Um, But I think that one of the main things that I understand about government is that government has to grow. Uh Government can't just stay where it's at, because people always, they want more, they expect more. And um, I mean, people want to be paid more. And so you can't do that with a shrinking economy or a shrinking uh, government. Um, Government is is looked at to, um, you know, to provide that type of, uh, you know, um, place in people's lives. So um, those are some of the challenges that I see and to continue to grow, you, you need more business, you need, uh, more investment in your community. And so we've, we've also, you know, to try and, you know, be innovative. We've also, one of the things as, as the mayor is I've, uh, been going to the annual, uh, national retail conference in Las Vegas every year, uh, working with, uh, different, uh, commercial real estate brokers and site selectors, uh, we need we need more uh, commercial development. And in order to do that, we have to have an infrastructure to meet that.
0: Thinking of the infrastructure needs, community and region, thinking of the present and long term, if you had one minute to make a pitch to a state leader or legislator, what would you ask, excuse me, what would you ask for?
3: I'll start. So, uh, this is Mayor Sean. So, there's a bill before the House now, SB 5229, and it's uh, a curb. uh, It's a bill to allow Curb to increase their planning grants from 50,000 to 200,000. I mentioned it earlier, but this is the pitch I would make to them that these uh, site readiness grants uh, would uh, help small communities in Eastern Washington, like Othello. And uh, with a 79% Hispanic rate uh, or uh, population and 35% poverty rate, these capacity issues and, and, and the lack of resources to compete with these larger jurisdictions, this would give, by increasing this grant amount, it, it would become a valuable tool for us to create shovel ready sites for large economic development
1: projects.
0: Great, um, Steve, we time.
1: I would I would add that I I think I mentioned it earlier that the um, revolving fund uh, loan program, I think, is a is an excellent program uh, for major infrastructure. Uh, We ended up getting uh, two fairly large uh, revolving fund loans uh, and through the Department of Ecology. And I would just encourage state legislators to keep funding going towards state agencies that have loan and grant programs. Whether it be TIB, FEMSIB, um, Ecology, Department of Health, I mean, these kinds of loan programs and grant programs really help communities grow. And I think as communities grow, that helps the state's bottom line as well. So. It it really is a way for cities like all of ours to be able to afford infrastructure improvements to accommodate the growth that we're seeing.
4: And Steve, it's as though you realized and you're trying to help us um, highlight that one of AWC's legislative priorities for this session is to ensure that the public works assistance account is fully funded and that we avoid any new diversions. I, I appreciate you making that pitch for us.
1: And that is exactly the other program that I had in mind and because we got some public work trust fund money as well, public works board money, and it is a tremendous program. And I would encourage the state legislators to continue to do that and not take that money away for other services.
2: Well, I, I think uh, uh, Steve said it best. I mean, th- these programs that pretty much get axed from time to time, depending. And 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 uh, Mayor Logas right. I mean, we we did have a windfall of money, and and we're kind of on that on that peak, and and money is uh, you know uh, easily obtained, and we're re- ready to go. But as you know, the legislative this session, uh, they don't have that opportunity, so they're they're starting to pull back, and and obviously there's more demand than you know then the funding can allocate and, and if we we take these funding programs away um yeah Steve said it best I mean we, we need to maintain those programs we need to make it um, easy easy application I mean if I had if I had my way, I mean grant writing grant management, you know I, I think we need to take a look at maybe our greatest needs and 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 not to say whether a direct allocation or not keeping in mind that a lot of these uh, jurisdictions, maybe these small towns, maybe even they're large towns, but they don't have the tax revenues to even support in order to have some type of uh, sales tax equalization to help help company uh, help the smaller towns out. Um, so I think... In taking in general, just how we look at the funding programs in place, please don't mess with our our infrastructure, uh, you know, funding, but also to continue to maybe find these needs uh, to to kind of put us in better position. Because, you know, if I apply for a grant and I I miss it this year, I have to wait another year. Sometimes, you know, I, I had one grant for a wastewater treatment plant expansion that took four um, you know, four years to even get uh, get us going in that right direction because it was it was the funding. They didn't have any funds, so you had to keep applying. So, one grant that should have been here in a year, uh, yet five years later, we finally get the money because we had no other resources but to keep applying for that same uh, that same funding.
0: Okay. Well, um, I want to thank all three of you again for taking the time to be here and. Um, I think it's really valuable for cities to hear from one another and to learn from each other by sharing your experiences and expertise and for others to hear from you too. So it's been really great to hear from you and have you here. So to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the City Voice podcast. If you haven't seen AWC's State of the Cities report, make your way to our website. You'll find it on our data and resources page. It's called Washington's Interconnected Infrastructure. Um, And I think that wraps it up. Thanks, you guys, so much.
3: Thank you, Brianna.
4: Thank you, guys, for joining us.
1: Thank Thank you for having me. Great.
4: The AWC City Voice
0: podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. As always, thanks for listening.